And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is Dave. Before we toss it over to the boys to see how their week was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Gentlemen, first Thursday without football. Second Thursday, doesn't matter. It feels like it's too long. I missed Thursday night football already. Give me a Denver Broncos primetime game that's how bad i missed thursday night football already i'm right there with you it's weird not only having no professional football tonight after that 65 to 7 drumming in college football on monday night we didn't even get to end that on a happy note so beyond the sports side of thing i'm doing pretty well guys how are you i was doing great until i started driving home which spurned a very fun question that i'm going to ask you both top three pet peeves while driving my biggest one without a without a doubt is when people knowingly drive up to the very end of a lane closure and try to cut people when other people oh. have been waiting in line for like 30 minutes that's a good one i didn't drives even think me about up that a one. fucking wall yeah I definitely, number one i've definitely done that a few times there's an exit up by me i'm like fuck this i'm not waiting that that You're is a such person. a steven move <laughs> I don't think that will qualify like you. you as a bad person. But You're I'm going just, to hell. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. You're going to hell. It's eh, not a real place. I'm good. Fuck it. I know I'm a miserable human being every single time I get in a car because I'm like this happy person. But like, you know, like everybody, like I get frustrated. I just try to keep it under, like under the skin a little bit. But when I get in a car, it's like there's something else in me. I got to just be careful or I'm going to be one of these people that shows up on like your local news that got run off a road because of a road rage incident. So, but I, I think I might be the person that runs people off the road one day. That would be you and me. We'll, we'll have a coexisting pet peeve. So, so before you said that, I had a top three, and it was the dipshits who go the speed limiter slower in the f- passing lane or left lane. Great one. Uh, on a, at least a four lane road or highway. The second Minimal was four lanes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously. No, um the people who don't think ahead and are like try to get over two lanes of traffic with 500 feet left before their exit and cause bottlenecking uh and then the people who see any form of precipitation and automatically drop their speed 10 miles an hour and ohio is bad about that because it's like a weird bridge of cold weather and you're still warmish on the way home tonight, I literally had somebody going 20 miles an hour in the left lane. I was like behind him, and I like almost got road raging and like started flashing my brights to try and get him over. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have time for this shit. And she got over, sped past him, like got back over and moved on. You opened a can of worms now because I have a couple more I want to share because you just really set me into my anger oh, wait, wait, wait 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 one more maybe it'll spawn some more please don't take mine honorable mention honorable mention not using signals until the last possible fucking second to use them and just like hard breaking and turning like fuck the, those people how has this not come up already when someone's riding your ass you get over the lane and let them pass and they go the same speed as you and they just sit there Oh, like, if you were dumb. if you were there or if you weren't there, they're going that, and they're just. I'm like, so I'm sitting here, and what's worse is when you do that, and then they slow down, then all of a sudden you get back over, and then they speed right back up. You're like, you know what, fucking, I'm going 90. Get me away from this person. 
I have literally this is this is just now a car podcast. We don't even talk football here anymore because I've got a couple more too. The one that kills me is I actually have a few that kill me because again, I'm a lunatic. I hate when people are at the front of a line at a red light and they fall in love with their phone all of a sudden. Like you're not the one that is directly affecting everybody around you. I also hate when you get when it's busy. Everybody's inconvenient. We we get it. It's so tough. But when you like drive out into the middle of an intersection because you're trying to beat a light, and then it turns red and you're just sitting there, huge, big, annoying one. And then the last one I'll say for this, because I feel like we can go on forever talking about pet peeves. This is awesome. Glad that we finally have a platform to talk about shitty drivers. I hate when you're on the highway and you're trying to be courteous because you're not going fast enough to jump in front of the semi yet. But then the car behind you like speeds up almost where you have to like crank off your cruise control instead of just passing you and letting you get out in front of the semi too. And then they're just like going one mile an hour faster than you. And instead of either slowing up, letting you in or going a little faster for two seconds, they make you inconvenience, have to tap the brake for a second. And I'm always the guy that pushes it way too close when I turn right behind them. Cause I want them to know I fucking hate you. Mm-hmm. So that's basically where we're at, guys. All right. Well, I got one fun fact, and let's get right into some NFL news. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the oldest starting quarterback in the AFC this year, just in the playoffs, mind you. I just thought that was crazy because it feels like he's still such a young gun, and he is. It's just how special and how much of a great place the AFC is in right now. How old is he, 27? Uh, either high 26, low 27, yeah. That's scary, caught. Um, actually, you know what? Speaking of Pat Mahomes, I have a fun fact too, and I'm sorry to derail a second time in the opener, but did you know? I thought this was a a joke when it came out, like eight months ago or six months ago, but apparently it's true that the Chiefs organization told Brittany Mahomes and Jackson Mahomes to cut the shit, or else they'd be permanently banned from the stadium. It wasn't Pat Mahomes. It was the team. That's all time. That is all time, and I love it so much. Yeah. I, what was the final straw? Was it the girl throwing beer all over fans? It had or to have been. It had Jackson to have been. Jackson dancing on Sean Taylor's memorial number. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. They're Fuck. both bad. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it had to have been the fan incident because that's that gave the team an excuse to be like, look, we're tired of your shit. You're a distraction. Now you're affecting our fans. Just stop. And she was she was always going to Twitter, shit talking all the opposing fans that would always clap back at her. It's like, dude, first of all, just shut up. You you don't have anything to be cocky about. Pat Mahomes has all this money. It's almost like that's the equivalent. I always hate when like the girlfriends or the wives or even the kids will come in and just start shit talking. It's like what Shaq said. His kids are like, well, we're rich. He goes, I'm rich. You're not. So it's like, this is my shit. You back off. I can, I can talk for myself. Also, you have the worst voice ever. All time, great, horrible voice couple. I completely agree. And I'm a guy with a shrill voice that gets a little crazy sometime. And I get that. But when I hear I them talk, Whoa. it's crazy. I see a hot take. Brittany's voice is only bad when she's fucking yelling or screaming. And wasted. Like, and then it's horrific. It is like the war. It's it's like the woo girls. And it's like, 
it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. It just makes me want to slit my own throat and send it. <laughs> well, let's talk about somebody who's actually worth talking about. That being Damar Hamlin. He is back home at his residence in Buffalo. This earlier in the week, we told you guys that he was back in Buffalo at the hospital. They decided that he was healthy enough to go home. Awesome story that, again, this is 10 days ago. We thought this guy might have lost his life. And now we're at a position that he's at home. He's eating normal food. He's feeling good. He's walking fine. There's not a hitch in his walk. Complete motor function. Everything is fine with the brain. It's a minor miracle, guys. How awesome is this? You never really get to see it and just how fast it was, too. I mean, he was already back home within a week of the incident from being just, to be honest with you, just to be dead on the field to back home in Buffalo with, you know, he's going to the hospitals there and making sure he, he can follow through with his treatment with further testing. So that's awesome. I mean, you can't wish for anything more miraculous. And for the speed of the recovery so far, it's one of those things and it just blows your mind. Look, you guys said it. It's a it's a miracle that that not just that he's alive, but that he's got full motor function after being, you know, uh, I don't want to say essentially dead for eight minutes, but, you know, he, he needed revived and it took eight to 10 minutes to do it. That's, you know, that's uh, unbelievably miraculous. The other thing I, I just want to throw out there is uh, Peyton Hillis is apparently on the mend as well. Um, not totally out of it, but on the mend as well. So it's awesome to hear that all the horrific shit that happened over the last two weeks to celebrities and athletes, nothing really got to the point of, of death. Next up on the news, Chiefs-Bills, hypothetical AFC championship to be played at Mercedes-Benz Dome in at Atlanta. How I dumb can, is that? It's dumb, but I can see the appeal of the NFL. It's a dome. You're going to get... You know, if that game is played, you're going to get 5,000 yards passing and 400 touchdowns on the turf between these two teams. I, I I get the appeal of it, but I personally think it should be in a cold weather. It should be in a cold weather. They're both cold weather states this time of year. It should be in a cold weather stadium. It should put it in, put it in the, not the Meadowlands that everyone would tear their ACL, put it in, you know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, somewhere like the Brown stadium for all I care. Cincinnati, well, Cincinnati, that'd be a bad one because they'd be eliminated, but. You well, they'd the probably all just be throwing shit the entire time. Yeah, you you get the drift. Put it in a cold weather stadium because it'd be forty degrees no matter where they played. If it was a home game, don't put it in the dome. Throw the throw that ass in Lambo. Let those Packers fans actually oh, see a, good be a championship game for once. Uh, but I just think that might be too cold. That might be too drastic. Buffalo people are fine. I think you know the, those Mizzou people are going to be hurting a little bit. But the only place I could think of maybe geographically that was in the middle was maybe Nashville. But um, I don't. I just don't know. It's it doesn't get to David's point. The aspect of the cold weather, which is at the end of the day, what everyone's fighting for and why they want that number one seed. So I think Nashville. I don't, they don't really get that much snow. I would. I would say Minnesota back when they were playing outdoors, that'd be fun. But they they might have the opportunity of. Uh, well, they wouldn't be hosting, but potentially hosting two championship games there. So that would probably be out of the loop. But anywhere but Atlanta. Is it because it's the Caesar sport or no, I'm thinking of new Orleans. I'm an idiot. Never mind. No. no well, here's the thing. It was going to be in a dome. It was obvious. That's what they wanted to do. And what were the domes that were up in the air? You have Detroit. Well, you can't do Detroit because they're redoing their field because they realized they weren't going to have home games early in the season and scheduled that. Then, then you have number two. You're like, okay, well that doesn't work. How about Indianapolis? The Colts 
are actually hosting a volleyball tournament the weekend that would happen. And instead of moving that, they have said, we are staying loyal to the volleyball tournament. We will not risk upsetting them on just a, a possibility of a football game, which respect to the loyalty, a lot of money that you're kind of losing out on, but you know what? Also, Indi- Indianapolis or Indiana, legal sports gambling as well. Just saying there's some more revenue that can be brought into to other companies. Yeah, Continue you're right. No, you're good. And, and so, I mean, the other options to me, you brought up one, Nashville. I thought Carolina was a possibility. And naturally, you're going to have Georgia, which it just sucks because it's not you're going to have road trippers. You're going to have to take the, the planes and there's probably going to be 20, 30,000 people from Atlanta at this game that might not even have a dog in the fight. It could be really fun. It could also be a disaster. And who knows? We might not even get it. This is all contingent on these two teams winning a game or two games, depending on who you're talking about. No one's winning a game in Vegas today because they're worthless, they're dead, and they're eliminated. And what has that led to? That has led to the, I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders moving on from Derek Carr. Today, we finally saw Derek Carr have an Instagram and Twitter post thanking all the Raiders fans for his time in Vegas and Oakland, respectively. I mean, guys, this hurt. I don't know how else to tell you. This was, like, before you had the verbal goodbye, you could talk yourself into, hey, let's see how the year plays out. Let's discuss everything and decide if we are going to make a trade. And now with this, it's done. It's going to happen. And from all accounts, if the Raiders are unable to agree to a trade by February 15th, he will be cut before the next part of his contract becomes guaranteed. So the pressure's on the Raiders now. You have about a month to trade Derek Carr, or at least agree to, because the league year doesn't start until the month after all that litigation stuff, blah, blah, blah. What were your guys' thoughts? Because I- I'm a little too close to this one. It hurt. I've got some tweets I want to read on the back end when you come back to me. But, but from an outsider's perspective, what was your overall takeaways over how the Raiders and Derek Carr have handled this situation? It's horrifying. It's so disrespectful to Derek Carr and everything he's done for that organization. And it's for it, – it, and Wally, I, I'm, I'm sorry this is going to happen, but it's so that they can – it's so that they can they think they can lure Tom Brady there for one for one good year. And what's gonna happen is is they're not gonna fucking team build the way they should. They're not gonna get Tom Brady, and then they're gonna be shit again and in a rebuilding stage. And then we're gonna see McDaniels fired and the whole fucking fan base facing regret and and wish that this never happened. I, I just I, it's so disrespectful to Derek Carr and Anyone who doesn't think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL has literally no idea what they're talking about. And I will hammer on that all day, every day. If Derek Carr ends up in a situation with the Jets or the Patriots or the Steelers or any situation where he gets locker room support, but also like talent on the defensive side of the football everyone's going to be calling the Raiders idiots and I'm going to be sitting there like, no, everyone fucking supported this. And now you all get to fucking live with your regret. Derek Hart is handling it like a true professional, right? So kudos to him. And yeah, it's, it stinks as, and coming from someone who's 
experience this the last couple off seasons and see it come to fruition, see it not come to fruition on a couple different players. It sucks. And to Wally's point, how he opened up, it's so gut wrenching because it's yes, it's everything but done. And then finally seeing that statement, it's like, Oh, it, it really is done. It rips your heart out. Right. And you know, we saw what Aaron Rodgers has been doing. We saw that was the same thing I had with the Devonte Adams trade last year. And there's, there's a lot riding on the future and what, Mark Davis is going to be able to get these guys to do right now. And it, it looks bad. Uh, I don't think the Raiders have handled it. And I, and I can sit here and echo David's point, but I don't want to feel like I'm hitting a, a word count on a college essay by saying the same things David is, but I agree a thousand percent. I mean, this dude's been nothing but a stud since he's entered, had it, what had an MVP year, broke his leg. Since then it's kind of gone downhill. And this dude hasn't had a defense since 2014 rank above like 30th in any statistical category throughout that time or throughout the duration of it. At least that's what the league average was. It's bad. It's a sad day for Vegas. There's just so many question marks. And and I feel for people like Wally and the fans of that organization where it feels like it can't get worse and it's just another domino keeps falling when you think all the dominoes are cleared off the table. And it's just (laughs) – I I don't know if I'm the bad luck charm, Wally, because ever since we got together, it has just been a shitstorm for your Raiders. So I'll take full responsibility for it, but – Man, oh man, you're you're something else if you're coming on here every week talking about it. Can't well, be me. I will say this: the last two years have sucked, but I think part of the reason that you've known that Nordus said it sucked is because we're doing this. It sucked before that too. It wasn't like I was like skipping through like a flowered meadow, being like, "Oh my god, it's so great being a Las Vegas slash Oakland Raider fan. This is just terrific." If you parade. I have a few tweets that just point or I guess further enhance the points we're making. It just, and I'll say one last thing at the end. I know I'm rambling. I apologize guys. It's just, this is, you know, it's a big deal. Derek Carr has been probably my favorite Raider since I was a, a, you know, like when you're a kid, you have those superstars you look up to, but once I've been an adult, he's really the, the most I've appreciated watching a player and it sucks. He's gone. But you brought up his defensive stats, Stephen, or the, the Raiders' defensive stats while he's on the team. Not only everybody knows now he hasn't had a defense rank in the top 20 in, in his career, but over the course of his career, the averages, 32nd points per game, 30th yards per play, 32nd in sacks, 32nd in interceptions, 31st in rushing touchdowns against, 31st in passing touchdowns against, 31st and fourth down conversions against. That's impossible. Then you go on this. And this is not a shot at Matthew Stafford. You guys know how I feel about him. I might not necessarily think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he's a very good quarterback. Derek Carr winning percentage with the Raiders versus Matthew Stafford with the Detroit Lions. Derek Carr, 44%. Matthew Stafford, 45%. Passer rating. Derek Carr, two points higher, 91.8 versus 89.9. He has a higher pa- uh, touchdown to interception ratio, 2.19 to 1.96, and a higher completion percentage by over two points. It's or, or exactly two points. Sorry, excuse me. That is a very good quarterback who we all made excuses for for a long time, saying if he was given a good opportunity, he's going to do well. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl last year. Derek Carr put in the right situation can have a Matthew Stafford trajectory to the latter half of his career, and I'm rooting for it. Last stat I'm reading, and I'm done, I swear, most game-winning drives by a quarterback since 2014. 
Derek Carr, 33. Number two, the guy I just mentioned, Matthew Stafford at 30. I understand the best quarterbacks are up the whole time, but I guarantee you Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, all these guys ain't winning with the 32nd ranked it's defense over their career. It's not just the best quarterbacks are up all. Peyton Manning led the league in, in comebacks in his entire career. And four true, quarter comebacks. True. But you know what and I'm saying? Have, like it's you know, by the way, until he got to Denver, he didn't have a defense. Like now I'm not saying Derek Carr is Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's top five ever. But what I am saying is, is that's not necessarily true that good quarterbacks are just up all the time. Good teams are up all the time. That's fair. Uh, anyways, speaking of great teams about to becoming bad teams, Roquan Smith gets extended five years, a hundred million. And boys, I am so happy to see it. It's an absolute fuck you to Lamar Jackson. And this contract is just, it's perfect. It's, it's the end of the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I, I can just feel it in my bones and the Ravens have no backup plan and I love it. It's just, it, it gets me going in a special type of way. What's even better is based off this extension, obviously the first thing everyone looks at is the Lamar contract, right? Big question marks. This dude is not going to play someday. That's factual. They're going to have someone else. We very well, and I, I'm glad you're sitting down here, David. We very well might have seen the last of Lamar in a Baltimore Ravens jersey. Could they sign tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. And I could just be talking out of my ass. But dude doesn't play. They can see that there's somewhere they can somewhat win and they can be another quarterback away. They haven't, they really weren't that good outside of maybe a four game stretch this year. How many, how many, uh, I know your, your Vegas Raiders kind of took the, took the show on this one, but Baltimore was also blowing 10, 15 point leads. They did about three or four times. They just haven't been doing it lately because they can't get a lead right now to save their life outside of the game. Maybe Pittsburgh in that one, but that's neither here nor there. Baltimore. You might be needing a new quarterback, Joe Flacco reunion. I'm just saying. <laughs> he is a lead. Of course, as you know, here's another alternative to what you're saying. And I know we're talking about Roquan Smith. I'll get back to that in a minute. But Lamar Jackson, there's a very real-world scenario that the Ravens realize that they're not going to sign him to an extension this offseason, and they elect to tag him instead and put the pressure on Lamar to say, if you're willing to sit out for a year, do it. But we ain't going to give you this contract until you want to come to the table and meet us in the middle. He has no representative. He is his own guy. And that, while it might get him more money, it's also kind of – puts tension on the team relationship a little where usually it's the agent that buffers that he's hearing all the negatives on both sides and the team and player aren't. But Roquan Smith off ball linebacker. I know it's a little weird, but one thing that I think is important to keep in mind is David, you and I have been critical of the Ravens defense a lot this year. Since Roquan Smith has come there, they've been much better. Believe this or not, they got their passing defensive uh, or pass defense DVOA all the way up to 11th. And after what we saw last year, what we saw even at times in the beginning of the year, when you were talking about those blown leads, Steven, this is maybe something that the Ravens are like, we have a recipe of having off-ball linebackers help elevate a defense before. We're going to ride with our recipe, even if other teams don't agree with it. But let's get into our last bit today before we get into our games. We thought that what would be fun going into the playoffs here is that we're going to really quickly rattle off how we would rank our top seven teams entering the playoffs. The reason we pick seven, just full disclosure, is 
five. I think most people on earth have a very similar top five right now. So we wanted to, to add a little juice to it. So without, I guess, too much back and forth, David, we're just going to toss it to you. You give us your top seven, maybe a reason for each. Steven will go to you, me, and then we'll talk some uh, football games this weekend. All right. First up, San Francisco 49ers. I, up until about three weeks ago, this would have been the Eagles for me, but I think the 49ers have just looked like a more solid, better overall team than the Eagles the last couple of weeks. Granted, I know Jalen Hurts has been hurt, but that's just how it rolls. So as long as Purdy remains efficient and doesn't turn the ball over, this team is easily the favorite in the NFC and overall, in my opinion. They're just they're, it's a complete team, top to bottom. And as long as Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, it's you know, you don't lose like you are losing with Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Philadelphia Eagles, number two. Like I said, over the last month, feels like the Eagles have taken a step back. I know the Hurts injury is like 90% of the reason for it. I just don't have as good a feeling about them as I once did. Now, to be clear, they're still my second favorite, and they're still a like the only other complete top-to-bottom team outside of the 49ers. I just, again, it's it's the the step back that they took over the last month during Hertz's injury that drops them from one to two for me. The Chiefs are my number three. I I could hear the arguments for the Bengals and the Bills and whomever else, but for me, the Chief, this is this is what the fourth straight year the Chiefs are the number one team in the AFC. Chiefs are the Chiefs. As long as Pat Mahomes is breathing and rostered, the Chiefs will always be my powerhouse of the AFC. I have the Bengals at four. Team is hot, highly motivated, elite. Bills at five, same thing, motivated, elite. They're just not riding the hot streak that the Bengals are. At six, I have the Cowboys. Now, I'm a little hesitant about this because this game, this coming game this week is the only game I'm just battling internally about. But for me, the Cowboys defense is still fantastic. They're hinging on what Dak gives them. But I still think they're probably the sixth best team in the playoffs right now overall. And then my seven is the Chargers. And I hate myself for this because I fucking hate the Chargers. But at the end of the day, at seven, they have the best quarterback remaining, which is Justin Herbert. And when it comes to the playoffs, you're betting on quarterback play for 90% of it. And so I'm, I'll take Herbert and the Chargers as my seventh overall. And that's my list. You know, I, I hate this, first of all, because we went to seven because we were going to spruce it up and maybe have a little intrigue at six and seven. I'm going to jump Steven because he's taking a leak right now. But I have a eerily similar list, David. I also have San Francisco one, Philadelphia two, for the same reasons you do. They're complete teams, top to bottom. I know that the Eagles are struggling. It's the only reason they're at two. And here's something, too. It's a power ranking, so I'm just talking, like, teams in general. When you put these teams in Philadelphia, which is very – I mean, it's going to be how they match up if they do. I think that's where it's going to push me to bet on Philadelphia to win. I just think that if they played on the moon with no people around, my better team would probably be San Francisco. But it is – we're talking a razor-thin edge between the two. Cincinnati, this is the only difference that you and I have. I have Cincinnati three, Kansas City four. And that being the, the theme of this segment is the word complete. 
And the Bengals, to me, are a more complete team than the Bills or the Chiefs. All three have elite quarterbacks, so that really doesn't move too much there. The Bengals obviously have a brutal offensive line, but the skill position loaded there. And the defense, I think without a doubt, it's the Bengals and Bills there. The Chiefs massively under. So because of that, I have Bengals three, Chiefs four, Bills five. But this is part of what makes this playoff season so exciting. The top five teams, I can't remember in my life them being so separated from the rest. It feels almost more like college football where we're not really expecting. Like like when the, the Steelers win the Super Bowl back in 2006, they're a sixth seed, and it's like anybody can win. It's not like that this year. You can't point to a five, to six. Point, the Giants the following year, and then the Giants again, what, five years later, four yeah, years Yeah, 2011, after right after. Yeah. Like, Don't forget about Green Bay. They were the worst team in the playoffs, <laughs> and they came and won. And Steven's right. His Packers did the same thing to the Steelers. They were a lower seed and, and went on a run. So, I, I mean, that it's different now. And it's, it's a good different. It's a bad different. But every now and then, it, it really makes it fun to see how top-heavy these the league is. But my six and seven, I told you already, David, we're very similar. I have the Cowboys in, in the Chargers. The Cowboys, I am electing to believe that the last few weeks – they're playing understanding that they're not going to likely get the one seed. And it makes it really hard to be focused for games. And because of that, I do love the defense still. I know they haven't been playing as well as they did earlier, but I do think that if there's one team that is entering as a lower seed in both conferences, it's the Cowboys and Chargers that have a shot. Cowboys because of defense, Chargers because of Justin Herbert. Steven, let's hear your top seven now. Hopefully it's a little different than uh, David's and mine. Oh, of course. So I'm actually going to start start it from the bottom like I'm Drake. Um, for my seventh, I'm going to throw Tampa Bay in there. Tampa Bay. Um, they get the Giants They get the Giants in Florida to start it off, right? They, they could have some things fall their way, and all of a sudden they can be the NFC Championship. It's Tom Brady. It's hard to bet against them. Again, we've seen, we've seen these teams that are – you know, these are more or less wild card winners that are an eight and nine or something go in and host a game, right? Or division winners, right? We've seen Seattle do it that when they posted um, New Orleans way back in the Beast Quake, right? Games like this can happen, right? And of course, you're facing the best matchup for you for for you to get a win in an unstable passing offense in New York. If you can get Vita Vea back, get healthy on the front seven, cause them to pass a little bit more than than give the ball to Saquon, it can be great. If it's a Saquon receiving game out of the out of the gate, you're kind of fucked. Uh, give me Duval at six. This team is hot heading in the playoffs. I'm a big I'm a big guy about hot at the right time. That's why, spoiler, I'm not going to have a Dallas in here who's kind of creeping in there a little bit. Um, there's some other team that I want to – there's a team that's slipping my mind here. Maybe the Giants, they're, they're kind of just getting there, right? They've already, be, they've already beaten the Chargers 38 to 10. In the last five weeks since being in this five-game winning streak, which is the most in the NFL on that span, they're also number one in points per game, sack differential, points allowed, and point differential in that span. I like what they're doing in Duval. Lack of experience might be made up for because of the experience of, of Doug Peterson. Philadelphia, I have it five. Right now, it's just they're getting healthy at the right time on the defensive side of the ball, and they've dominated all year, but the inconsistent play that we've had these past couple of weeks might throw a wrench into things. It's more than just an MVP caliber player missing a couple of weeks, right? That's timing. There's going to be a little bit of rust. I get it. It doesn't matter. If you're going, 
it's a lot harder to get going after you stop versus keeping on pace, if that kind of makes sense. Give me Kansas City at my number four spot. Winner of 10 of their last 11, only losing to Cincinnati. Pat Mahomes has been on a tear. Coming close to breaking Peyton Manning's passing record. I like what this team's doing. Their defense is going to be the biggest question mark, which we'll get into here a little bit later. Give me San Fran at three. Quietest 10-game winning streak I've ever heard of. Did you guys know that they won 10 straight? They were, what, three and four? And now they're 13 and four. It's crazy. It's so 10 like it's the quietest 10 game winning streak I've ever seen not publicized anywhere, right? I got I got to start watching other shows, but even like NF, Good Morning Football, never heard a single peep about a 10 game winning streak here. But they haven't lost since October 23rd. Brock Purdy has proven he can lead this team. Debo's getting healthy. George Kittle has seven plus touchdowns over his last five games. I'd have to look at it because it might may have changed post Sunday. In my mind, they are the NFC favorite right now. They're my NFC favorite. At, uh, at number two, I'm going to go with Cincinnati, also with a 10-game winning streak. I think people are talking more about that. But because the Bills, the Bills game was canceled, asterisk next to both these winning streaks they have. But they've been playing great since post-September. They're getting somewhat healthier on the defensive side of the ball. The biggest thing for me is their offensive line is actually playing, not giving up as many sacks. Yes, their sacks still giving up. You might credit that because I believe it's either one of you two. I want to say David brought up the fact that maybe he's holding the ball on a little bit longer to let those receivers get open because they're so dynamic. That's probably why those sacks are happening. If he's getting out quicker, I wouldn't be surprised if it's consistent games that they're giving up zero sacks, which has happened over this over this winning streak. And my number one is Buffalo. Winners of seven straight. Josh Allen's getting really healthy, looking really good. The defense is getting a little bit better. Again, Pat and David on the back. It's Davius White really starting to play well is going to be huge, huge, especially without um, having Micah Hyde there in the back because of the neck injury he had early this year, holding him out, having him come back healthy and really peaking at the right time because he came back, what, week 12, something like that, came back super late. So now he's going to start peaking. I like them a lot. And at the end of the day, Damar Hamlin's back in Buffalo. How the fuck are you not ready to run through a brick wall if you're not in that organization right now? I would be scared to play Buffalo. I think everybody's afraid to go to Buffalo. That's for sure. That's going to be a loud building on Sunday. Sucks for Miami. We'll get into them in a second. But Yes, it will. Yeah. I think this is just a philosophical difference on what we believe of like power rankings. Because the way you're describing it, I agreed with a lot of the sentiment you had where it's more or less these are the likelihood that a team can make a run where opposed to maybe – like you put like an eight and nine Tampa Bay team at seven because of Tom Brady. But I think we can all agree. They're not the seventh best team in, a, in, in the NFL, right? Like it's, it's more about no, making the run. I'm a big situational guy. Right. And we've seen it. And if you want to talk about all those, all those six seeds that come in more times than not, I really have to look back at the giants, but I'm sure they go on those at the time. Don't really seem that big a five game winning streak, like a Jags. I'm not sitting here saying the Jags are making a run, but it's like that, right? Even these little games, but a lot of these, I mean, half those guys are listed off had seven plus game winning streaks. I feel like we never see that. It's if you win that first game against a team that you shouldn't beat on the road, there's that belief that's like born. If you don't though, I mean, oh, obviously you go home, but it's one or the other. You either lose that first game or yeah, you do see the Steelers, the Packers, the Giants make those little runs. So enough of the rankings. Let's get into the super wild card predictions that we're going to have here for week 19. Before we toss it to the boys or toss it over to Wally to go over what the records were this past week. We want you to know 
This Super Wildcard Weekend Picks is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's college graduation, birthday, baby pictures, whatever. It's happening every damn weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y. Or check her out on Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, take it away. This is our third playoffs now, right? Or am I making that up? Is this our second? It's our third. How long ago was it that Tom Brady won it? Or That's what I'm talking Oh, obviously not last year. So, yeah, this is our third playoffs. Obviously, our first with David, which is an awesome acquisition. We made it the deadline this year. But I do have to tell you, I, the reason I bring that up is we have – done this show for three years Stephen. we have never had a better week gambling than we did last week and we had a third person it was awesome to see how well we did usually i'm going through and doing the math and i want to die because like five minutes in, i'm like i'm just wasting my time we're losing money we're getting killed not this last week you had steven with the big biggest week i should say he ended up going 16 and 5 up 9.4 units. So if you're betting 100 bucks as your unit, you'd be up almost a G with Steven. You go to me, 20 and 6, a good 8.2 units up. Again, $100 you're betting with, you're at 820 bucks. And David, 20 and 8, up 6.99 units. So seven. Nice. We're just going to call it seven. No, nice no, no, right. no. 6.9. Let's leave it at that. Look That's here. fair. Look here. I am, I hate myself a lot because fuck the 6.999 units. When I, I have the most wins overall and the fewest losses overall, and I'm down 17 fucking units because of the ways I chose to bet in three weeks this season. I fucking hate everything. Those big money lines. I know. Well, hey, this is a great thing though. This, because the gambling just got introduced to Ohio couple weeks ago by the time next year rolls in you're gonna be speaking like all kinds of gambling language you're gonna be locked in you ain't gonna be taking the 38 point favorite chief's money line for 14 cents so it's gonna be no, great i'm for just you. gonna be the addict that takes that in a seven thousand team parlay for one dollar <laughs> that's fair yeah that's, that's also possible but Let's start it's it off about here. How you started, about how you finished. I just talked about getting hot at the right time. We're getting hot at the right time, boys. You're right. And we're going to start in San Francisco. Steven's background. It's kind of fitting with the Packers stuff in San Francisco. Whatever. Anyways, the Seahawks going to San Francisco where the 49ers are nine and a half point favorites. Total is set at 42. Steven, I saw you shaking your head at me. I get it. You deserve that. So I'll be nice and I'll throw it to you first. Before I give my pick here, I just want to kind of give you guys some background. Uh, if if this is going to help your gambling or make us go, make make you go against us, so be it. Since 2013, unders are 51, 42, and one. Since 2017, underdogs on this weekend are 36, 23 against the spread. Sorry, since 17, the wild card underdogs. Since 2017, 16 and 8 against the spread. Since 2012, the unders are 30 and 14 in wild card games. Just kind of keep that on your back pocket. So we have the first game on here. 
That being said, give me Seattle plus nine and a half. Give me the San Francisco money line pulling a David here. And also, I'm going to add a little sugar on here. Give me San Francisco team total over 26 and a half. The reasons why in the wildcard era, teams that are swept facing the opponent a third time are 12 and seven straight up, nine, nine and one against the spread in that third matchup. So San Francisco just, they are that good. The Hawks are going to fight here a little bit. Don't let Pete Carroll and his presser kind of throw you off here. And also a stat to keep your eyes on. I'm full of them today. Quarterbacks making their first playoff starts are 18 and 36 straight up, 17, 36 and one against the spread. Herbie and Trevor, Purdy and Gino in this one, Skylar Thompson, who, who cares? And then we have whoever's playing for Baltimore. So we have two matchups of quarterbacks playing their first games. Godspeed on gambling with that, with that fact. You've sold me on Seattle plus nine and a half, and I don't know why, but I, I see, I'm basically rolling with the same line, except San Francisco money line, Seattle plus nine and a half, but I'm taking the under at 42 and a half. And I'm hesitating with the Seattle nine and a half portion because they've really gotten their ass handed to them in two games a season. But I think, and I think it's been proven throughout, throughout sports history, it is really hard to beat a team three times in a season especially a playoff team outside of baseball where you play 9,000 games against your opponents. But it is really hard to beat a team three times in a season, especially when you're both playoff teams. The last matchup between them was 21 to 13 San Francisco. The first matchup was like 40 to 10. It wasn't actually 40 to 10, but it felt like 40. It felt like a million to nothing. Yeah. So I, I think Seattle has the potential to keep it within 10 but I'm just, I'm hesitating with it, but I'm going to roll with it. And ultimately, as I said before, San Francisco right now, best team in the playoffs, they're going to win without a shadow of a doubt. I just don't think the combined score is 43 plus. I, I, I based on the last game they played like three weeks ago, I feel like it's going to hit the under. See, I'm staying away from the totals. unlike you two. But like to to what you just said, David, it's the aid or what the uh, that old adage of you can't beat a team three straight times, or it's really really hard to beat a team three times in a season, and that means you're a division opponent, so you already know a lot about each other. But if it's that hard to win three times against the same opponent, I mean, how hard is it to beat the shit out of the same team three straight times? And that's what Vegas is calling for here at nine and a half. Because I know that it was a 21-13 game a month ago. Seattle was not even – they didn't belong on the field with that San Francisco team. It was the first time Brock Purdy really showed that he is the seventh-round Mr. Irrelevant that we know him as now. I do like Seattle to cover because that is a lot for a playoff game, especially in division. But I'm going to take San Francisco money line. This is a runaway train right now. And Seattle's defense is so hit and miss. There's one week it looks like the worst in football. The next, it's actually pretty competent. Even if you get the competent, all that's going to do is keep this close. Again, runaway train, look out. They're on a one-way ticket to Philadelphia in two weeks. You can book that already. But Saturday night, the Chargers are in Duval and are road favorites. That was interesting to me at first. Total is set at 47 and a half here. Another bit of great news for Charger fans. One, they're not used to getting this time of year. 
Rashawn Slater is back. A guy that we thought was done for the year three months ago. He made a miraculous recovery. His bicep injury is good enough where he can now play. On top of that, Mike Williams, so much better news than they expected when that injury occurred last week. I'm going to actually go with the, the I almost said Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't want to sell the people out there. I am going to go with the Chargers. I'm going to take them minus two and a half. That's all I'm taking. The Chargers pass defense is 10th in DVOA, right? While the Jaguars pass defense, third worst in the league, 30th. This is two young premier quarterbacks in the league. So what's it mean? I'm going to take the quarterback who has the better matchup here. I understand how hot the Jacksonville Jaguars are, but the playoffs are a different beast. We're still going to have to watch these two go at it. I'll give Trevor Lawrence credit. He has played high-profile games when he was at Clemson, so this isn't going to be that new for him. Justin Herbert went, won a Rose Bowl. So these guys have been in the big light before and done this. Duval's going to be really, really rowdy. It makes me feel like the line is about perfect. The game could go either way. It's one of the ones I think I'm most excited for this weekend, but I'm going to roll with the Raiders division rival, the Chargers minus two and a half, purely because of Justin Herbert. They win this game. They cover in spite of Brandon Staley, probably going for it fourth and 15 on his own 10. Give me Jacksonville plus two and a half. I'm actually going to take the over at 47 and a half. Doug Peterson makes it back to the playoffs. These two are just two different teams. And when they, when they faced off here earlier in the year, Jags are one of nine teams allowing 6,000 plus total yards this year, but only about 120 more than what the charges were giving up. Right now, as to Wally's point, Chargers as of late have been playing way better on that on that side of the ball. But I like to look at the whole picture. Pay me the whole picture, like it's one of your French girls. I like the energy. I'm riding high on Jacksonville. I just like that energy. Five game. They're they've been number one in in you know some good categories here over that five week span. I just we're, we should expect a shootout here, and then we're gonna watch the last game of Brandon Staley era happen here. They're gonna lose. Then we're going to get Sean Payton over to the Chargers. Call it a wrap because then the Chargers can finally live up to their Super Bowl aspirations like they were like they were supposed to this year. Before you go, David, was that purposely done, the Titanic reference, because they're doing the 25th anniversary remastered version coming out the theaters close to you soon? Literally had no idea that was happening. Oh, okay. Well, see, I'm basically <laughs> just selling it, people. I'm pushing it. It's going to be an IMAX 4D, baby. What do you say? Wally, our, our resident fan, cinematic baby. genius. Oh, know, chick yeah. flick, baby. Gotta love it. Originally, I was all in on Jacksonville. But then I remembered that they demolished the Chargers in week three. And I truly mean demolished. It was 38 to 10. Now that might, it might seem like a stupid take, but I'm taking Chargers two and a half point favorites and the money line. And I'm doing it for the same reason of the last game. It is hard to beat a team twice. It's even harder to demolish a team twice. I think the Chargers were missing pieces on offense early on. I think they're going to come into Jacksonville with a chip on their shoulder, trying to get revenge for that bitch slap they took early on in the season, not to mention trying to win in the playoffs. They have the better quarterback. All signs point to Chargers minus two and a half. And money line. And what that means is, is that Jacksonville is going to win by 40 because it's the fucking Chargers. But I'm still rolling with it because it feels right. 
but the Chargers always fail me when I'm so confident in them. So these two teams, man, it's these two teams. They love to be unpredictable. Who knows what happens in this game? This game could be 50 to 49. It could be 10 to nine. I, I mean, these two teams, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited for it. But one last question I almost want to ask you guys is, can we agree that unlike usual for Charger fans, the 14 of them out there this year has actually been lucky for the Chargers. Like usually you feel like they're not a team that like reflects their record. You think they're better, but given the injuries, given the inconsistent play, given the bad coaching, I think the fact that they're in this playoff game, they're a road team. I think they're kind of like flying under the radar after being a preseason Super Bowl pick. This might be the perfect spot to be if you are Justin Herbert, Brandon Stabley, Staley, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, outside of that, coming out of that division as well as one of a wild card team. Doesn't matter if you won or came out of a wild card. It's supposed to be a little bit more competitive, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, this they also are coming in a little bit hot, right? And now they're getting healthy. Ever Sean Slater coming back. Derwin James has been playing some great ball too. And I'm, and I'm what Nick Bosa's or Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's over there too. And he's finally starting to get back in the swing of things. They have the, they have the correct pieces to dominate and make a run. If it's getting after the pass rusher, you haven't, you have a quarterback who, who can spread the ball. And Austin Eckler is ridiculous this year. So they have the pieces to do it. Let's just see if they can put it all together. Finally. It's funny to me that we that we're saying they're having a, a lucky season because you're not wrong, but you, those 14 Chargers fans you mentioned are all fucking angry because they were still hurt all season long at key positions. They're still losing games they should have never lost in the first place. This is typical Chargers, but because the whole roster is not on IR and they won some games that when they were on IR, it, it, they wouldn't have won previously. We're calling them lucky. Let's just, I find that so funny that this, this, what are they? Nine and seven or 10 and seven team nine. And what are they? 10 and seven. There are 10 and seven, right? 10 and seven. Yeah. This 10 and seven team. It, we're calling lucky. This team should be 13 and, and four every single year based on roster alone. And they're going to have the chance next year when the Buffalo Bills similarly had a young quarterback in Josh Allen. We saw that growth. We saw that team growth. And now we're going to have a chance to see it go even further as they on Sunday afternoon are going to welcome in a Skylar Thompson led Miami Dolphins team. They are two touchdown underdogs, 13 and a half points, total 43 and a half. Micah Hyde was designated to return from IR. They don't expect that he'll be ready for this game, but that's huge too because you don't have to rush him back now. This is as close to a bye week as we will see in the NFL in the playoffs this year, and it's because of how unfortunate the Miami Dolphins have been hit at the quarterback position with injuries. I have it down here. I'm going to be quick because I really don't think there's a lot to dissect here. I would take the Bills minus 376 points. They're going to literally take the souls from the Miami Dolphins this weekend. And if there was a real choice or a real thought that Mike McDaniel could be fired after a loss last week, what really changes if the Bills host them and win this game like 45 to 10 or like they win by like four scores? How is that any better 
then losing last week. So I'm just, I'm not saying he should. You guys know that we all here love Mike McDaniel and think that he's a very good coach. But if you were willing to fire him after last week, I don't know what's changed. No, I agree. That's that's a great thing to, to bring up. Before I dig in, you know what's ironic? Mike McDaniel's former San Francisco 49er. Him and his former team are both rolling out third-string quarterbacks. That is really weird. I don't know why I never thought about that till now. And what, what, which one's doing better? Yeah, Daddy Shanahan, baby. Daddy Shanahan. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can get a lead to choke away here in the playoffs. But no, I I completely agree with you. I, I don't know what, what changes from this week to – or last week from this week, like, are, is there expectation that you guys are going to go in there and just blow the doors off Buffalo with Skyler, or it's expected to be 30 degrees? We want this weather game here, right? Now you're going to come up, bring Skyler Thompson. They have no chance of getting anything done here. Shadarius White being back is going to be huge. Getting some interior DL ha- um, healthy, and Josh Allen's just looking back. They're just playing with so much emotion, too. I just feel bad. This is going to be literally – this is going to be that episode of South Park. I'm pretty sure we talked about it when Stan's little league hockey team goes and plays the Detroit Red Wings and gets their shit pushed in because it's eight-year-olds against pro athletes. This is going to be worse than watching the Georgia TCU first couple drives. That's how bad it's going to look. Uh, Buffalo money, Miami plus 13 and a half. Tua not playing makes it wow. the easiest game You're of the week. You're drinking the Kool-Aid, aren't you? No, I'm not because I don't believe in Skyler, but here's what I believe. Playoffs, division rival. Doesn't it's I'm gonna do the same thing when we get to Baltimore, Cincinnati. It is not gonna hit the spread. Picture a normal division rival game. I don't care which quarterbacks is playing, it's gonna be semi-close between good teams. Two touchdowns all season long. I've stayed away from that spread. It is almost always not hit. Plus 13 and a half, that's a lot of points to cover. I don't care how good Buffalo is. It's a lot of points to cover in the playoffs against a division rival. I Yeah, it's not like Buffalo did that last year against the Patriots or anything. I Look, I get it. I get it. But I just, there's something about it. I'm confident Buffalo wins. I'm confident it doesn't feel close. But two touchdowns, a lot of points to cover. I'm taking Miami plus 13 and a half, Buffalo money line. With fully knowing Miami stands no chance to win this game, I just don't think that they lose by two touchdowns or more. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, are you not afraid of the DeMar Hamlin effect? If, like, we don't know. I, I We have if no that idea. That in the press box on Sunday. That's what I'm wondering. Like, could he be there? Like, if he's healthy enough to be home, maybe because it was a, a heart problem, Maybe they don't want him to go in like super high stress situations right now. That's possible. But if he's healthy enough to be there and he is there, it just scares me to think that that's going to be a team that is going to be playing way above their heads. So last week, DeMar Hamlin effect. How much did Buffalo destroy New England by? I have a spin zone. 12 points. Spin zone. Last week, they were so emotional still that it's kind of hard to to be 100% in a football game. Now DeMar Hamlin is at home. They can completely focus on doing their job and have that added bonus of knowing that he possibly, whether it's in the press box or whether he's 45 minutes down the road in his house, I just that just worries me a little bit. Look, if you're going to talk about him having an effect, the, the emotional effect is where it comes into play. So it's at its strongest last week. And they only beat the Patriots, a division rival, in a non-playoff game. Well, well, let me 
Next by twelve get, points. If, if you get all right, you have they covered for the record. You have four beers at a bar. You feel really confident. You might even be a little bit smoother than you usually are when you're talking about that hot girl at the bar. Go up and try to have the same conversation after ten beers. Yeah, how you doing? There's a different like. It's almost now it's a balance. You're still super emotional, but it's more controlled emotion is where I'm worried. I get your point. I'm just saying 14 points is a lot of fucking points to cover in a playoff game against a division rival. With a third string quarterback and one of the worst pass defenses in the league. We're going to see which approach talking to the girl at the bar is going to work here. That's all it is. We're going to figure it out on Monday. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know, same team, third-string quarterback doesn't bother me in a playoff game where you're not racking up 50 points anyways. Like, I I just – I don't know. That's all I got. Wally, take us into the next one. I don't care. I will, and I want one of you to actually do a two-second homework assignment before we get into the next game. If you can pull up the weather in Buffalo this weekend – because if 31. there's one place in January, oh, you already have it. Oh, yeah, I already, already have it up. It's going to be a high of 31, low of 22 on Sunday, high of 23, low of 16. Uh, maybe get a little bit of snow Thursday and Friday. You can tell we've been burned by weather too many times that you literally had it up prepared already for me. Oh, yeah. The G-Men going up to Minneapolis to face the Vikings, who is – this might be the most disrespect bowl of all time. This is two teams that America just does not believe in, just consistently doubted. And you got to give them a little bit of props because they're both playing on Sunday. Vikings three point favorite at home, which means Vegas puts this team or these teams even on a neutral site field. Do you guys believe that? Is this just maybe Vegas overreacting? to such a, a, a unusual season for Minnesota. When's the last time you've seen a division winner with 11-plus games? Not like – well, now they're favored here, but they weren't favored against Detroit. They weren't favored against Green Bay. Teams that they were head and shoulders above. And now a three-point against a New York Giants team that still has some question marks. So disrespectful. But give it to me. It's a 4.30 time slot. Give me the Giants plus three. Give me that money line. I don't trust the Vikings. We've been talking about how bad their defense is and how I can't trust them. They are good against the run, like I was saying. So, Saquon, if you can get receiving out of the out of the backfield, the Giants can cause some problems. But if they're making Danny Dimes winning the game with his arm, I don't know how much I can back that up. But still, give me the Giants plus three. Best ATS team in the league this year. Look, I'm right there with you. New York Giants plus three money line. Same logic, all pod. Giants lost on a, I believe, a missed field goal earlier in the year. Actually, really about a month or so to the Vikings. They're going to come in. They're going to show Minnesota how fraudulent they've been all season. It's a playoff game. It's technically in prime time. Kirk is screwed. I think the Giants are going to win this before they get absolutely walloped in the next round. But it's just it's it's the I'm I'm trying to maintain consistent logic if it's hard to beat a team twice when you barely beat the team a month ago and every everything else is hold held consistent. I just I I have a hard time believing this team that has somehow won 10 of 11 games within a score this year is is able to do it 
again. Something says New York Giants plus three in money line to me. But going into the next one. Do you want me to give a pick? Didn't you already? No, of course not. I was I, I'm already prepared for you and everything because I like to skip you. I don't know what it's about. I just no, I, I I'm a very skippable person. I completely understand oh, that. <laughs> well, I, I just got this to say. Bah. That's pretty good. I gotta be that's honest. That's why I chose to skip you. Deep down, I knew something <laughs> fucking lame was coming. So that's why internally we skipped you. Well, the no. Baltimore Ravens are headed to Cincinnati. No, no. If Steven talks every week about being the black sheep, it's my turn, baby. Because the Vikings, we're back. It's school time. When I take the Vikings, they win because they don't lose one score games. They've done it all year. I understand it's lucky. But you also have to learn to win games like this. You start believing in yourself. You start believing in the team that you can win games like this. And they're going to win this game. And I'll tell you the reason why is that Daniel Jones is throwing to Isaiah Hodkins, Darius Slayton, and Richie James. The Vikings' pass defense is atrocious. So to see those wide receivers on the other sideline, it's got to be like a breath of fresh air for this defense. If they can keep Saquon under control and they're going to they're going to win this game I would have rather this be two and a half because I do think it'll be about a field goal game but worst comes to worst you push if they win by three here I guess it goes both ways so I'm taking the money line as well so I'm with you guys it, it's it's black sheep time Steven I hope you like that Side note, we gotta we gotta like get we have to do that like they do on NFL when when they're the, when they're the lone wolf and they just sit there. And, we gotta keep doing the black sheep. Yeah, the sheep's better than the wolf. It's much more of an intimidating animal to me. Anyways, on that note, Baltimore <laughs> and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's ten point favorites. Totals forty and a half. <laughs> Supposedly, little Mark Jackson's facing an upward battle to play. Deep down, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just going to say my picks. I'll let you guys prove me wrong. But Cincinnati money line, Baltimore plus 10. Same logic all pot. I'm going to say it over and over again. I, I think this is a relatively easy Cincinnati win with Lamar Jackson holding out to protect himself for until the contract comes. I know the game was close in week 18, probably partially because Burrow didn't play that well quote unquote that well, but you know, it's, it's playoff burrow. Things are going to change, but still a division rival. I still think it's within 10. I I just like, I don't think this is a total blowout, even though it should be, it's something about division rivals just gets me into close matchups rather than blowouts in the playoffs. Let me ask you this. And then this will be a good way to throw it to Steven too, before I give my pick as well. I have to say, before I give my pick as well, just to reaffirm to you guys that I, I will be giving a pick in this game. But Why? what I was going to say is you guys, like myself, have been following this line all week. This was seven and a half. Then it was eight and a half. Today it jumps to 10. I'm almost wondering, because it kind of had a feeling that Lamar was probably facing an uphill battle all week. Does this not make you worried a little bit that maybe Tyler Huntley might be questionable. He didn't throw yesterday in front of media. He threw a few passes today. If it's Anthony Brown, the Bengals will win by more than 10, but I'm with you, David. If it's Tyler Honey, I'm in a tough spot too because I'm with you. I have Baltimore plus 10 in the Bengals' money line. I didn't know Huntley was questionable. 
I didn't know Huntley. If Huntley doesn't play, absolutely drop plus 10 for my fucking bet. Yeah, so this might be uh, a game for you guys at home that you wait and put in until Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. When you hear who the quarterback is. Because you take the Bengals if Anthony Brown's playing. You take the Ravens if it's Tyler Huntley. Nah, you take the Bengals regardless. Give me the 10. Yeah, I know. They're going back-to-back weeks playing them, which is which is always which isn't always good to kind of David's point here. But Lamar's not playing 100%. He actually sent out a tweet while, while we've been recording this, kind of giving a breakdown of what his PCL injury is, uh, how he feels bad about how he's not 100%, so he can't give 100% for the team and the fans. Lamar, no one's 100%. It's the middle of January. You've had a bunch of barbarians running into each other for 18 weeks. You think any, everyone's fucking healthy, brother? Come on now. Baltimore's been limping. Their defense has gotten a little bit better. Yeah, I still – I don't trust them. If they can't put anything offensive on the board, I think that there's going to be some turnovers here for a hungry Cincinnati defense. That's going to take points away from you. That's going to make the spread a lot easier for the Bengals, the gals to cover, I should say. Give me Cincinnati minus 10. You know what's always crazy is when the Bengals host these division opponents at home in Cincinnati, it gets chippy and it gets chippy fast. On Sunday, Roquan Smith got under the Bengals' skin. He got under the coach's skin. He got under the fan base's skin. He got under the beat writer's skin. If you're in the city of Cincinnati, he's under your skin. He just signs this massive extension here, and he's about to come in. And when he was asked about it today, some people thought that your hits this last weekend were dirty. What are your thoughts about it? He goes, I'll see you Sunday. That feels like we might be getting into another really almost gross, very physical. It'll be fun for us because we're not fans, but if you're a Bengals or a Ravens fan, you just want, want to get out of here without any real problems coming out of it, which takes us into our last game of the week, Monday night football, our last Monday night football game of the year, pour one out. Dallas, two and a half point road favorites in Tampa Bay. The Florida team's getting no home respect this week. Dallas, you'd imagine, though, it's probably going to be about a neutral site game with the Cowboys fans the way they are. Totals 45 and a half. Fun fact for you. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the fourth worst point differential by a division winner in NFL history at negative 45. Fourth worst. Are any of the other top threes from this year? Because Minnesota's got to be up there. Believe it or not, they, I think they're, which is hilarious because they what, went Are they 12 zero? and 5, 13 and 4, whatever it was. Uh, but, yeah, it's got to be right around zero, which is honestly, I think it's more shameful that you have 12, 13 wins and you're that close. Uh, more or less, the whole point of this is that this is a Tampa Bay team that I understand it's really tempting to jump in on because of that Mike Evans-Tom Brady game a couple weeks ago. But you know that old expression, when a person shows you who they are the first time, believe them? I'm using that same approach and mentality for these football teams because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been telling us over and over and over game all year, we are not good. We are not well coached. We look dysfunctional. We like You're, you're counting on Tom Brady to have these double-digit comebacks inside 10 minutes multiple times even get to this position against not great teams mind you the dallas cowboys on the other hand they were elite 
almost all year up until about three weeks ago. And I just feel like there's a lot of recency bias in this where people are believing that the, or I said Jaguars, the Cowboys suck now. Dak Prescott's going to turn it over a million times. But if he doesn't turn it over, I think, I think that he'd have to turn it over two or three times to give Tampa Bay a shot to win this game. I don't think it happens. Tom Brady's final game of his Tampa Bay Buccaneers career is over on Sunday. Dallas two and a half. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, let's flip this over here. Give me Tampa Bay plus two and a half. Give me Tampa Bay's money line. That's right. Dallas has been falling apart this past month. Their defense has not been playing the same. Kept it close with Houston. Jacksonville hung 40 on them. Gardner Minshew led Eagles led 34 on them. The commies just gave him a work, which wasn't really the defense. It was that was a team effort by Washington to, to really win there. Dallas in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh Dak Prescott also seven straight games with an interception. Dude cannot stop. Dude's allergic from not turning the ball over or turning the ball over. Yeah, not turning the ball over. I just can't trust them. This is a type of game that can give Tampa Bay some false confidence going in and maybe start building up and making a playoff run. I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think that Dallas is going to choke. Stop me if you've heard this before, Dallas losing in the first round after what they thought was a really good year and an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Happens every year. Did it to San Francisco last year. It's going to happen here again. Just look at history. Fuck the against the spread. Any any factoids that I kind of gave you here, just look at Dallas. What have they done in your lifetime? Nothing. Give me Tampa Bay plus two and a half and their money line. You, you're going to be Mr. Kool-Aid man like Steven, David, or uh, you, you're going to ride the, the sensible wave? I hate this game wave. so much. I hate this game so, so much because, man, I'm teetering back and forth. I let you guys convince me one way or another, but it's still not great. And I'm just rolling with my initial desire on this bet, which is Dallas money line. Uh, but – Tampa and Brady could be such a great villain this playoffs. They really could be. They just could be a great villain for all the teams in the NFC. And God forbid if that happens, I don't need another Tom Brady playoff run. But I'm just, in terms of betting, I'm rolling with my initial desire when, when this first rolled out, which is Dallas money line, and I'm going from there. I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth in defense of Steven, which I, I attacked him, so I'm defending – him from myself, I suppose. What I would say, I appreciate you. Hey, I got you, man. I got your back. I ain't gonna let him talk shit like that. What I would say is, we're so used to Tom Brady giving us first. It would just be so funny that he'd be the first quarterback, first team ever to to make a run to the Super Bowl with an under five hundred record. Like, it'd be such a Tom Brady move. And at that point, maybe he does retire. Because what else? There's literally nothing to prove already. It's just like I'm bored. Like we keep finding new stats. Like before long, it's gonna be like first time he's won when like he had turkey in the morning. Like no one's done he's it. Not like, retiring. You know, he's not no, retiring. he's gonna be. A he got career. divorced to continue playing one one more year. He's that guy's going another four. He's gonna go yeah. until the wheels literally fall off. Mahomes is gonna yeah. retire first. The final boss is uh, playoff success for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're, he's coming for you. The final boss is like, <laughs> you know, I don't even, I, I don't even think it's possible for even Tom. I, I just don't believe it. No, it's happening, brother. Oh, you're too nice to me. Which, Steven, how about you throw us into your favorite segment now? We'll get with the prop lock and drop it. 
Guys, you know what it's about. We're going to give you a prop of the week, a game we think is an absolute lock, and the game that we want to stay away from. I'll throw it to David since he's on a little time constraint here. David, what is your prop lock and drop it? Prop is a playoff one in a million parlay, baby. Player parlay galore. Throw $1 on it, win 50. I don't care. Barkley, anytime touchdown score. Kirk Cousins, less than 300 passing yards. Kirk Cousins, less than one and a half passing touchdowns. DK Metcalf, less than four and a half receptions. Noah Fant, less than two and a half receptions. Austin Eckler, less than four and a half receptions. Stephon Diggs, greater than six and a half receptions. Uh, Devin Singletary, less than one and a half receptions. And Chris Godwin, greater than seven and a half receptions. Holy shit. I am not an addict. I just love $1 parlays that have insane odds. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In every game. And yes, I know. Play the 1-800-GAMBLING-AT-ADDICTION hotline as I leave. Anyways, my lock, Buffalo money line, Cincinnati money line. Those two just seem they're they're playing, potentially they're both playing third-string quarterbacks. They're both playing depleted offenses. I... It, they're easy wins. I don't know about the spreads, but those money lines are locked. Those are, those teams are locked to win. Um, my drop clearly from the last 10 minutes is Tampa Day, Dallas. It's the hardest game to bet on for me. It's not even close. Fuck that game betting-wise. Just drop it from the schedule. I imagine there's like two futures where there's like highly successful David Clavin we all know and love. And then there's another possible future where in 10 years, there's like a little Clavin running around. It's like, daddy, like, please come home. You, you can't be at the sports book anymore. Like, mom, daddy, mom can I have I a dollar? You. No, I got this plus 170,000 parlay cooking, son. Yeah, you want a dollar? You, you want a dollar? You want $100,000? See, I, I, I'm picturing David more as like a towelie. Like, hey, you want, you're like, you want to get high? You want to play dollar parlay? <laughs> Come do on, it, do it. just a little parlay, just one more. The same one, game. One to win a hundred. Same game. Just a, it's a, it's a bunch of Luka Doncic, but you'll win it. You like Lithuania soccer? Uh, how about, how about Ukrainian basketball? I got your fix right here. Oh, this one might win three hundred thousand. <laughs> it's three hundred rubles. <laughs> <laughs> so why with that you take it away what's your problem? oh my god all right so i have a, a goofy prop that gives you plus 340 odds anyways so for you novices at home you bet 100 you win 340 if it hits on top of 100 you get back i think a lot of new gamblers almost like forget about that hundred dollars because it's really a 440 you would get back remember that that's important to remember when you're taking some of these high lines but I'm taking Buffalo minus 24 and a half as a prop. I think that there's a chance that if they do jump up in the first quarter, simply because Skylar Thompson's going to have to throw the ball, and we know what the Bills' defense does, pass rush, what that front seven can do, I think it can get out of hand fast. So I'd sprinkle that, and that means my lock has got to be the Bills minus 13 and a half, just simple math, and that leads us into the drop, which I'm going to drop the Chargers and Jags game just because – I do think it's going to be the most competitive game of the weekend. I think it's one of the only games that I feel that it really could go either way. And for that, I would stay away if you were going to stay away. But it's the playoffs, baby. Let's let's be real. It's prop lock and not drop right now. Loving that. My prop of the week, uh, I'm kind of like David, but not, you know, like not on crack. 
I don't know how much, I don't know how you had the time to do this, but my God, you must have, that must have been a great poop just sitting at work like, all right, six and a half receptions. All right, we got to see with three and a half. Give me CMC, Gabe Davis, and Keenan Allen uh, parlay for anytime touchdown scores. That's going to come out to plus 890 here right now. So in theory, if you want to go ahead, I don't know, say you want to throw 25 bucks because you're feeling good. Quick 220, about 250 once you get your money back as well. Just saying. My lock. Of the week, Tampa Bay money line. Tom Brady in the playoffs hosting a playoff game against the most chokeable team wow. in the NFL. Lock of the week. It's so on Monday night. Of course, he's going to come out victorious. That's the lock you My took. Not the- Buffalo playing the third string quarterback. You shit on me thinking that they weren't going to get. He loves people. Tom Brady. You got to give it to him. Oh God. I've made my. I've made my. What's the word I want to look for? I picked Tom Brady on the beginning of this podcast. You did. How can I not? How can I not stick with him? I made my mediocre to none career based off Tom Brady. The first hour of this podcast history, you called it Tom Brady Super Bowl. So I'm going to keep riding it. You know what? It's so easy to just ride with them because if he loses, they're like, yeah, well, what's hindsight? It's kind of a smart bet. It's fucking Tom Brady, right? So yeah, I'm going to take Tom Brady in Raymond. Ride with Brady more than Giselle does, so. It's true. And, and, yeah, not, not as much as his 16-year-old son does. Uh, the the drop of the week that, that I had That actually here, is pedophilia. We finally – it's a full circle moment. We we got to the meaning of the we, word. He learned we his lesson. That, it only took Tom said, Brady to – We said this on Monday, and you guys just glossed over it. Well, I thought you would have caught that as the, as the editing man. <laughs> I didn't I, want to. It was funny. No, you did. Uh, say, give me the drop, the Cincinnati. I just I had him at seven and a half to ten. We don't know what this line's going to go up to. If if we end up having a third stringer here, that line could get a little bit to like the 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 14 range. That might be a little bit too much for me. I mean, that's that's a field goal plus. So I want to stay away from that. I just want to watch the bloodbath like it's WWE. With that, that's going to bring us to another end of loss of down. Shout out to our sponsors, Tabbies as well as Abby Turner Creative. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss. Boys, do we have any parting words for the fans? That's a big hell no. You guys stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. Why? what do you want? Oh, you're the best. I appreciate it. Just telling the fans, keep an eye out. I am going to be up uh, uploading some more clips and stuff this next few weeks. Now I have a better computer that I'm actually able to do that. So keep your eye out on that. All the places that Steven just read off. And then I guess on top of that, all I would have to say is good luck, Chicago, and good riddance to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, who's now going to be the president of the Chicago Bears. That's dysfunction ready to happen. I love hearing that. That's going to make me sleep well at night. It should. And then last, last thing is that there's a lot of people that are speculating that it won't be the veteran quarterback people think Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers that the Raiders could be looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. And if that happens, guys, put me in a home. I am. I don't. I don't want to be worst here anymore. Case. That's where. That's actually worst case. I. I'll give up. I. That'll just be an emotional shutdown. Got nothing. He's the winner, Wally. But he wins. He wins. Yeah. Team. Team W's. All right. That's no, my no, last quarterback spot. wins is a stat. It is. It's going to be a this stat is, with Jimmy G. This is a pro quarterback's wins as a stat podcast. No, it's not. No, Hard it no. is absolutely not. <laughs> yes, no. it is. Yes, it is. Well, good luck, everyone at home. Take a dollar bet on David's, and, and if you hit, you guys can buy Twitter from Elon or something. It'll probably return the same amount. That's true.